Good morning. Before we begin our message today, we thank you, Jenny, for your beautiful song. Reminds me of my great uncle, Irvin. Some of you remember him. That was one of his favorite songs. And every time I hear, hear Jenny sing it, it's such a blessing and it reminds me of him. And he's singing it in heaven. And he's blessed along with all the saints that have already gone before us. And we'll be joining them when the rapture comes or when the Lord takes us home. Either way, we are going to be with the Lord forever and ever. Shall we just open in prayer? Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the privilege of opening up your word this morning. And we pray that the Holy Spirit will have a message for every one of us, Lord. Help us to apply it to our lives, to be encouraged, to be challenged, to be lifted up today. We pray for all those in the virtual world who are home listening to the message and watching it, and those maybe in other countries and other states and places tune in. And we thank you for that. And we thank you, Lord, for each person here in the audience and pray you'll richly bless them, Lord. Please hide me behind the cross and may your word come forth in power and of the Holy Spirit to touch lives. We pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. You know, when you're growing up, you oftentimes think about what your life will be like, right? When you're a young child. What do I want to do? What do I want to be? When you're young, maybe you wanted to be an astronaut. Or maybe a firefighter or a police officer. Whatever it was, oftentimes it doesn't turn out exactly how you envisioned it to be. We do other things. God leads us in other directions. But it's all for our good, and we look back and we say, Wow, God, Lord, you, you did this wonderful thing for me and, and brought me to this place, and we're so thankful. In one of his tales, James Berry writes, The life of every person is a diary, in which he means to write one story and writes another. And it's his humblest hour when he compares the volume as it is with what he vowed it to be. There is always a difference between the reach and the grasp. How would you describe your life? If someone was to put a microphone in front of you and was to say, describe your life, what would you say? What would describe your life? How would you describe it? How would others describe it? If someone came up to them and asked them, well, what do you think about Dean? Or what would you think about Adel? What do you think about Caitlin? Whatever the case may be. But the most important person of all is the Lord. What does the Lord think of our lives? What, how would He describe our walk with Him? How would He describe how we live for the Lord and how committed we are to Christ and the sacrifices we make to serve Him? You know, oftentimes when we think of success in this world and our lives in this world, we think of success in business, or we think of success in school, or we think of success in, in the political realm, or whatever it might be. But if you want to be successful, and you want to have a good life, you have to be saved. You have to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. That is the very first thing. And after that, to live for Him every day, not just on Sunday morning, 
Not just during the week on our midweek services or whatever the case may be, but every day to live for the Savior and to serve Him with all your abilities and talent. That is the richest life and the best life that any of us could have. And we pray that everyone will have this. We can ask ourselves, how faithful have I been to the Lord? How have I served Him? How have I impacted others around me for Jesus Christ? The title of our message today is in four words described in James chapter 4 in verses 13 to 15. And, the, and it's in the form of a question. The title of our message is, What is your life? Quite a question, isn't it? Deep Deep question. Not just a rhetorical question, but a question that we need to answer before the Lord. What is my life? Let's read together from the book of James, chapter 4, verses 13 through 15. Here James writes, Come now, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city and spend a year there and buy and sell and make a profit. Whereas you do not know what your life, what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? There's the question. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. And verse 15, instead you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. May God bless the reading of his word to our hearts. I think we were all in the sports world very saddened this week when we heard of Greg Knapp, who is a former offensive coordinator for both the 49ers and Raiders, and he had taken a job uh, back with the New York Jets, and he was off riding his bicycle, and of all cities, the very city we live in, here in San Ramon, he was on Doherty Road, it was last Saturday, just over a week ago, and he was struck by a car. And he was rushed to the hospital at John Muir Hospital. And on Wednesday, he passed away into eternity. You know, life is very uncertain. Very uncertain. And these times of COVID-19 had made us realize just how uncertain life is. How we have to be ready. We have to be close with the Lord. We have to be walking with Him because life could end at any moment. It could end at any time. Today could be the last day God gives us to live on this earth. And we need to live it to the fullest for the glory of God. Today we're going to look at three points. Number one, life is short. Number two, life is fragile. And number three, Life is subject to the will of God. Life is short. Any way you define it, life is short. Even if you live to be 100, or let's say even more so, 120, you think, wow, that's a long life to live, right? Well, maybe compared to other people on earth, it's long, but in comparison to eternity, it's very, very short. Just a little blip on the screen of eternity. God has put us here on earth to be a blessing. As we said, count your blessings. Well, God wants us to be one of those blessings. 
that we can be a blessing to those people around us. That's why he's left us here. Otherwise, as soon as we got saved, he could take us home to heaven and we'd be ready and we'd go, go home to be with the Lord. But he says, no, I want to leave you here so that you can tell others about me. I want to leave you here so you can build up the, the Christians and encourage them. God has much for us to do. Our lives should count for something. We shouldn't just be taking up airspace. We should be living in a positive and powerful and encouraging way. But the Bible describes our life in a couple of different ways, and one of them is its life is like a vapor. It appears for a little time, and then it vanishes away. It's short. It's very short. You know, on a cold day in the middle of winter time, maybe it's 30, 35 degrees outside, we get some cold weather here in the valley. Your breath, you see your breath, it comes for such a short time and then it's gone. Or maybe you're cooking something on the stove and it says you've got to boil the water first and the, the water is boiling and the steam comes up and then it goes away. Very short, very short. Or maybe it's like the dew on the ground that appears and then the sun rises up and melts that dew away so it was there for a very short, short time. Verse 14 says, It is even like a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. In Psalm 39 and verse 5, David similarly concluded, Indeed, you have made my days as hand breaths, and my age is nothing before you. Certainly, every man at his best, at his best, is but a vapor. Selah. You know, I, you might wonder, what is a hand breath? You read it in the scriptures, it talks about a hand breath. It's an expression that goes back to the 14th century, and it's the, little, it's the distance between this end of your hand to this end of your hand typically about two and a half or two to four and a half inches, something like that, two to two and a half to four inches. I measured my hand. I got the ruler out, this little ruler I have at home, and I measured across the, the span of my hand here, and it came out a little bit over three inches. Some people say you can look at the palm of your hand and you can look at the lines on your hand, and they say, well, if, the, if these lines are long, that means you're going to live a long life. And what happens if they're short? Well, you're going to live it <laughs> too bad. I mean, it says it right there, right? Well, whether that's true or not, we don't know. But a hand breath is very, very, it's a very short distance. And a vapor comes for such a short time. And it just reminds us that we should never take life for granted. You know, I've heard many people that have been interviewed in the hospital, they've come down with COVID and they've recovered, and, and they always say they don't take life for granted anymore. Take every day, seriously, take every day. Tell your loved ones you love them every day. Appreciate them every day. Spend time with them every day because life is short. And only God knows how long we're going to live. That not by measuring it on the hand or going to some psychic who says, oh, you're going to live a long time. No, our lives are in his hands. He knows best. He's the father of glory and wisdom, and he knows what's best. 
And really what's important is not the quantity of our lives, but the quality of our lives. You know, they often tell us that if you eat well, healthy foods, if you exercise, if you get enough sleep, you'll have a good quality of life. But life is more than just eating and sleeping and exercising. It's our spirit inside our bodies that are important as well. Our communion that we have with the Lord is of the utmost importance. Now, you know me, I believe in taking care of myself, and I do exercise, and I do all the right things that I, that I think we can do, but we can only do it to a certain point, and we have to trust the Lord. And we have to realize that what's most important is our relationship to Him, the life that He has given us here on earth, and even more so, the life that we're going to have with Him in heaven, which is forever and ever and ever. That's encouraging. And we're going to see all the saints that have gone before us, all the people I knew from years ago and and in recent past, and we're going to join them in a hallelujah chorus that'll be better than anyone that's ever been sung in the history of the world. They say when Handel wrote that oratorio, he wrote Handel's Messiah, and part of it is that hallelujah chorus, when it was first sung, the very first time it was sung in London, and the queen was there, and she stood up when Handel's chorus, that great chorus, Hallelujah, was sang. And ever since then, it's been tradition, and it's a good tradition. Some traditions are not good traditions. This is a good tradition. Whenever Handel's Messiah is played and sung, people stand up. Not just the queen stands up, but everybody stands up in awe and worship of not of Handel, who wrote it, but of the Lord, who he wrote it about. Yes, our life is about Jesus and what he has done for us in our lives. We can ask ourselves, are we living for Jesus or are we living for ourselves? Are we living for Jesus or just for this world? He wants us to live for him. 2 Corinthians 5, verses 14 and 15 Two of my favorite verses say this, For the love of Christ compels us because we judge thus, that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for for him who died for them and rose again. You know, when Jacob moved to Egypt, he was so excited because his son, J- J- uh, his son Joseph was actually alive. He thought he was dead. His brothers convinced him, you know, that their father, that Joseph was dead. And so when he heard that he was alive, he couldn't wait to see him. So he was off to Egypt, and there he was, and he had the experience of speaking to Pharaoh, who was the leader of the of the world at that time, really. He was a leader of Egypt, which was a very powerful country. And Pharaoh said to Jacob, how old are you? And how would you like somebody to ask you that question? A lot of times we don't want to tell people our age. And Jacob said to him, the years, the days of the years of my pilgrimage are 130 years. Few and evil 
have been the days of the years of my life, and they have not attained to the years of the life of my fathers and the day of their pilgrimage. Isn't that amazing? To me, that's one of the saddest descriptions of a person's life. Few and evil have been the days of my life. Now, we all know that Jacob was a conniver. He was a schemer. He either was scamming somebody or somebody was scamming him. Laban was scamming him and and they were conniving with each other. And he looked back on his life and he looked at his mistakes and he looked at his failures and he looked at all the things that he wasn't proud of. And that's why he made that statement. And we all have regrets and we all have things we do all over again. And Jacob, I'm sure, was one of them as well. And he probably thought this was the end of his life. He was now able to see Joseph and be with all the family there together in Egypt. And could it get any better than that? He says, I'm ready to go. But you know what? He lived 17 more years after he went to Egypt. So he lived a total of 147 years of his life. You know, as I mentioned, not many people like to divulge their age. My mom used to always say she never tells people her age. Well, there was a lady who was being interviewed, and the interviewer said to her, I see your, and her name was Miss Beale, and he says, I see your birthday is May 5th, Miss Beale. May I ask you what year? And she replied, every year. Every year my birthday is the fifth, right? What a great answer. That's a wise lady, right? We don't like to tell people our ages, but God knows our age, and he wants us to live a life that counts for him. Secondly, not only is life short, but it's fragile. Sometimes you hear that old-time expression, it's so true. Fragile, handle with care. Maybe you've ordered a package through Amazon or another website and they've come to deliver it and on on the outside of the package it says fragile, handle with care. Meaning that whoever is delivering that package, be careful because it may have glass in it. It It may have something else that's easily damaged and so it's either breakable or shakable and so you don't want to damage it. You want it to arrive to its destination safely. And it's very important. And our human lives are like that too. Our lives are fragile. They're very fragile. But we praise God that we're in the hands of a master who handles us with care. He cares for us. He knows us better than we know ourselves. He knows our strengths and he knows our weaknesses. He knows what our likes are and what our dislikes are. He knows what we're talented in and what we're not talented in. And he treats us with care. A man named Harold B. Lee once said, Life is fragile. Handle with prayer. And I love that. Isn't that beautiful? The package, handle it with care, but our, but our lives, handle them with prayer. You know, there's so many times We get up in the morning and we pray and we commit our lives to the Lord because we're in His hand. And that's what he's talking about. Life is fragile. Handle with prayer. Pray about everything. We're thankful that though the world is rough, Jesus is gentle. 
Though the world is tough, Jesus is kind. Though the world is cold, Jesus is warm and inviting and loving. We need to treat others with kindness and gentleness as well. David said in Psalm 39, 4, Lord, make me know my end and what is the measure of my days that I may know how frail I am. Yes, we are frail. No matter how strong we think we are sometimes, God sometimes reveals to us just how frail we are in this world and how much we need His strength and His power to live for Him. Yes, we are frail. We're frail sometimes spiritually. We're frail physically, mentally, emotionally, or in many ways. Psalm 103 and verse 14 says, For he knows our frame, he remembers that we are but dust. Now, if you were to go to one of these Olympic athletes that are competing in the Olympic Games right now and tell them like this, you're very frail, you're, you're very weak, right? They'd say, you're crazy. I've been training for these Olympic Games. I've been lifting weights. I've been running. I've been doing all of these things. And these are the greatest athletes in the world. But it just goes to show, no matter how youthful you are, no matter how strong you are, you're frail, especially in comparison to the Lord. And not only are we frail, but we're finite. We have a beginning in this world and we have an ending in this world though we're going to be with the Lord forever, but there is a time physically that we have a beginning and we have an ending. We are a finite people. God is the opposite. He is infinite. He had no beginning and has no end. And His power and His strength and His glory goes over the whole world, over the whole earth. And not only are we frail and not only are we Finite, but we're also fallible. Now, this is a hard one for us to grasp. Guess what, Ed? I make mistakes. I make mistakes. Not mistake, but plural. I've made my share of mistakes. And anybody who says that they've never made a mistake, they just made their first mistake. Like the person that says, I've never sinned. Well, yes, you did. Because by saying you never sinned, that's a sin. Because we are sinners. But as Christians, we're sinners saved by grace. And even though we're frail, and even though we're fragile, and even though we're finite and fallible, God still loves us and has a plan for our lives. One of my favorite verses is 2 Corinthians 4.7. It says, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. Aren't we thankful for that power, that power of the Holy Spirit, that same power that raised Jesus from the dead is flowing through us. That's amazing. It's incredible, that power. And we are just conduits. We are just channels of blessing that God wants to use us. And in 2 Corinthians 4.16, in that same chapter, it says, Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. Oh, that's so encouraging. And then our third and final point today is, 
Not only is life short, and we know it is, and not only is life fragile, and we know it is very fragile, but life is subject to the will of God. You know, when we get up in the morning and we have our plans all set out for the day, and we have our to-do list. I do a to-do list every day, and I put down the things that I'm going to need to do the next day. I have to remember that it's subject to the will of God, because God sometimes changes our plans. He sometimes takes an item off of our to-do list and says, no, not today, Dean. I'm going to give you this instead. You have to do this for me instead. So our lives have to be subject, and are sub- and is subject, to the will of God. And that's what gives us comfort, because when something happens in our lives, we have to say, Lord, your will be done. Your will be done. Because his will is so much higher and better and stronger than my will. Paul wrote in Romans chapter 12 and verses 1 and 2, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual form of worship, or as your, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And here's the key, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I am thankful that God has directed me and directs us every day into his perfect will. He might move us from here over to here. He may change a plan that we have. We may plan to go on vacation. God may say, it's not time for you to go on vacation. We may plan to take a certain job and the Lord works and intervenes and says, no, not, that's not the one. This is the one I'm going to give you. And in every case, It's good, and it's perfect and acceptable, and we should always be thankful that our lives are subject to the will of God. You know, we get sometimes disappointed, we get distressed, we get discouraged when we make these plans and they don't turn out the way we wanted them to or intended them to, but we need to say, if the Lord wills. That's what we need to say. That's what James said here in his writings. He says in verse 13, he says, Come now, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city and and spend a year there and buy and sell and make a profit. That's my plan. But instead, instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that in James 4.15. The best caveat we can ever have in life is Lord willing. Lord willing. I use it all the time because we can't say, we can say, I'm planning to be there, but it's Lord willing. I'm planning to take that job, but it's Lord willing. I'm planning to go on this vacation, but it's Lord willing. Everything is Lord willing. And when you do that, you have a sense of peace that God is directing your steps in the right way and he may change the path that we have. We're not guaranteed anything in this world. A noted Bible teacher by the name of F.E. Marsh once said, The will of God, nothing less, nothing more, nothing else. Others have quoted that. 
different sports stars and so forth, but he's the one who originally said it. The will of God, nothing less. We can't accept anything less than God's will. Nothing more. We don't want anything more than God's will either. And we don't want anything else but God's will. I know I don't want my will. You know, when Paul was about to travel to Jerusalem, a number of prophets in his day had told him that he was going to be bound in, in Jerusalem. Uh, one prophet, Agabus, he, he took off his own belt and he tied it around his own wrist and he says, the man who owns this, took Paul's belt, I should say, and tied it around his wrist. He says, the one that's wearing this belt is going to be bound in Jerusalem. He's going to be delivered over to the Gentiles, from the Jews to the Gentiles. And it was spread through that whole region. Everybody knew that. And so when Paul said he was going to Jerusalem, they said, no, Paul. They begged him, don't go. Don't go, Paul. They're going to, they're going to bind you there. They're going to turn you over to the Gentiles. They're going to do all kinds of bad things to you. And Paul said, I'm not only willing to to die and go to Jerusalem, but I'm willing to die for my Savior there. And so they tried to convince him, but he didn't with no, to no avail. And in Acts chapter 21 and verse 14, listen to what the people did. It says, so when they had, so that when he was, would not be persuaded, we ceased saying, the will of the Lord be done. You know, no need to argue it. God's will. We can't speak of it bad. We can't speak of it good. It's God's will. It's not up to man. And so God had a purpose for sending Paul there. And we see it later on and how the Lord appeared to him there and says, you're going to go to Rome. And that's exactly where he ended up going. So as we conclude our message today, let's remember to ask ourselves this question. What is my life? What is my life? Why am I here? What am I to do? How am I to serve my Lord and impact others? And let's also remember how life is short. It's like a vapor. It appears for a little time, a little time, and then vanishes away. It's like a hand breath, so short, from here to here. Whether we live a long life or a short life, let's live a quality life for the Lord every single day. And life is fragile. We need to handle it with prayer. We need to pray about everything. And if God shows us that something needs to, to be done, we need to do it. And we need to remember also that we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the power may be of God and not of us. And life is subject to the will of God. Whatever happens, your will be done, Lord. Your will is better than mine, Lord. I want your will to be done. And in every plan we make, in everything that we discuss, it should always be subject to the will of God that we would say, Lord willing, we'll live and do this or that. Shall we just pray? Our blessed Heavenly Father, we thank you for loving us so much that you sent the Lord Jesus Christ down to this earth to die for us on the cross so that we could be forgiven and have eternal life. We pray, Lord, if there's anyone here today or out in the virtual world who has not accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior, that today will be the day that they will come as a sinner, repent of their sins, ask for forgiveness, and believe on Jesus Christ, your Son, and be saved.
Lord, that's the most important decision that anyone can make, young or old, man or woman, rich or poor. We all have to make that decision. We have to make that choice. And when we do and accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, we're assured to be with you forever and ever, Lord, and we're so thankful. And we pray, Lord, that we will live in the realization that life is short, life is fragile, and life is subject to the will of God. Please give us the peace that we need to live in this world. Please give us the joy. Please give us the encouragement to read your word every day and pray and live for you and witness for you. And so we just thank you for each one here today. We pray you'll take us home safely. And for the ones at home and in other places, we pray you'll richly bless them as well. And we ask this in Jesus' precious and worthy name. Amen.